Welcome to Time Traveling Team, the weekly podcast where we review every story of Doctor Who right from the very beginning. I'm Paddy. And I'm Trisha. As 2022 comes to an end, we decided to record a special look back Q&A rambling in the TARDIS. We have some questions from our listeners. We have some questions from each other. Uh, and also just generally sort of shoot the shit, really. <laughs> um, if you heard our rambling for Leela, we already explained that given the fact that the next season for reviewing of Doctor Who is a continuous arc, we didn't really see the point in starting up before Christmas. So instead, you get random rambling shit. But good random rambling shit. Which is the important part. Awesome. I am looking forward to all the shit talk. <laughs> um, as always, we would love to hear your thoughts on anything we discussed today. So in order to join in the discussion, you can check us out at Time Team. That's T-I-M-E-T-E-A-M-P on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can email us at timetravelingteam at teamproductions.com. So thank you very much to all the people that submitted questions. Uh, we have also submitted questions for each other and mm-hmm. also specific questions in relation to... You know, I have questions for Trish, and then I, she has questions for me, and then there is the aforementioned shit talk. <laughs> cool. Do we want to order? I have four questions for you, and you have right. two questions for me. So. Yeah, I was like trying to think of questions for Trish, and it's surprisingly hard <laughs> because I think, like, again, it's just like. We talk about stuff so much off air <laughs> that it's like, oh, yeah, maybe the listening public would like to hear that aspect of something. But that doesn't come to your mind when you're asked to do specific questions. Should I start asking you a question? So yes, maybe, maybe you should. Maybe you should. OK, so I have a couple of questions. I have two questions related to podcasting. Mm-hmm. I have one question just Doctor Who related and I have one sort of fandom fan casting uh question hmm. so let's go with the doctor who question right okay you have to go into solitary hmm. for a month think of it like hmm. maybe a big brother thing or you know you contract some weird obscure disease we don't know we're gonna go with the big brother thing probably better. right you're allowed to bring with you one doctor who story right that we have reviewed so only up until okay. what we reviewed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can bring the DVD if you want. You can get special features if you want. That's that's fine. Which one do you pick and why? No, I have a question for you. In this solitary setting, is mm. this Doctor Who DVD the only thing I am allowed to bring into me? Or is this the only Doctor Who related thing I could bring in with me? Oh, it's the only thing you're allowed to watch. Oh, right. Fair enough. Okay, I'll, add some, good, I'll, I'll do some world building in my weird scenario I've made up, right? Alright. Food is not an issue, sleep is not an issue, light is not an issue, toiletry is not an issue. Alright. From an entertainment perspective, we'll give you a Kindle, right? So books are not an issue. But from a visual media perspective, it is one Doctor Doctor. And you're like, we even you can listen to Dan and Paul's podcast the whole time. Okay, but thank you very from, much. From a visual <laughs> medium perspective, you have one Doctor Who story for a month. Mm. Which one is it and why? The Gunfighters. 
No, it is not the fucking gunfighters. <laughs> I like see. I couldn't even carry that bit on. Um, that's a no. It's a very tough question because I have three automatically came to mind. Okay. The three that came to mind were the Aztecs, mm. the Romans, mm. and the war games. Okay. Um, no, apart from them being all five out of fives for me, they all have something very different that I have a connection to. Mm. So I hands I love the Romans. It's one of the funniest mm. Doctor Who stories. It's one of the just all best Doctor Who stories. The Aztecs is a I routinely look up clips of that because mm. I love the level of interaction between Hartnell and Barbara. Um, and in the war games, when it eats up more time, it's, again, as I said, I'd go through it in one sitting. So, relatively mm. speaking, the time, to, excuse me, the time utilised or wasted watching it, 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 it's minuscule into the grand scheme of this overall month. Like, I'd watch it in a fucking day. Mm. Um, in terms of rewatchability, I'd probably go with the Romans. Romans? Yeah, I'd probably take the Romans. Cool. Good choice. Good choice. Should I ask you some more questions, or do you want to ask me a question? Um, we should have planned this better, but we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> we just threw questions in a document. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We took the we took the half measures approach. <laughs> um, you ask me a, you ask me one more question, and I'll see if I can think of stuff up. Okay. So, okay, I'm going to ask you a question that's very interesting. In terms of the podcast, mm-hmm. I have a question for later on, which is similar to a question you have for me. But the question I want to ask you: What's been your least favorite part? joking answer is recapping six part stories <laughs> um, I'm sure that's not entirely a joke either <laughs> yeah like I'll never forget doing the fucking eight part second part of the Daleks master plan fuck's sake um, I think the least favourite part is uh, and, and it's entirely kind of like, you know, I think it's part and parcel of the experience that we're going for. But my least favorite part is seeing seeing characters that I lo- like mm. under a different lens. And you go back and you're like, actually, that's, you know, kind of, it's incredibly shitty. Like, that's an incredibly shitty person. Or um, I, I'm trying to think there's like, there's some show like that when you go back and you're watching and like, Christ almighty, everyone in this fucking show is an asshole. <laughs> Uh, friends <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much or uh, one thing that like my wife Sarah got me into that every time I go back I'm like yeah you, you empathize less and less with like the heroes is Gilmore Girls you're like no everyone in the show is a fucking prick to some degree <laughs> um, so I think it's like seeing like the fo- the fourth doctor um mm really change dynamic with people mm. and like i suppose like any hu- like any human individual you know your best you know, your best friend leaves and another person comes in you're not going to have the same dynamic with them you know mm. um or even in work you like work with someone that you get a really good rapport with 
and then they leave it and someone else takes their position again it's not the same rapport you can't make the same jokes you can't do the same activities you can't expect the same level of whatever it is that you had before but you don't take it out on that person <laughs> um but i think as well and sorry to keep rambling on but then again you know it's par for the course in this particular episode my least favorite part of the podcast is it's not actually anything to do with the podcast itself is by doing the podcast i discovered a newfound love for the first doctor we both did Mm. what i have hated as a part of that it is my least favorite part as a result of that is going online and seeing people bash the first doctor based on a glossary viewing or Mm. only experiencing him from the modern take not going back and watching the character and just having this thing of like where if you go back and you watch you see an arc to be Mm. from becoming yes the prick that he was Mm. to the impish grandfather that people that adore him adore him for and if you're going to level these accusations of oh you know sexism or you know just bullyishness or anything like that fast forward three years and you've got it in spades for the next what is it eight seasons mm. yeah so yeah. that's i think I, it's a love hate thing <laughs> um but if that made sense if that answered your question yeah. Yeah, yeah um all right i have a question for you mm. Seeing as how I talked about um, Hartnell and talked about his successor, people that have two very who have two who have something very big in common, and that is that they are the ones that have their errors with missing stories. And as an overall experience, how did you find reviewing the missing stories? As an overall experience. It was a challenge. I'm not going to lie. Um, we talked when we started doing the missing stories. We talked about how years ago when I first got into Doctor Who, um, I think you shared with me the loose cannon stuff. I think I tried one or two. I was like, "Fuck! I can't. I can't do this. Like, I, I really can't. Mm. It's really difficult." And a lot of them were really difficult. But in saying that, I'm really glad we did them because, like, Dalek's master plan, like, she's not in my top five, right? But, like, one of the people who's cast as a companion that I'm like, oh my god, I wanted more from them, is fucking Sarah Kingdom. I mm-hmm. wanted to see more. I mean, we don't actually really see her that much in that story because the majority of that story is missing mm-hmm. um and had we just skipped it we wouldn't have got it um missions the unknown yeah you know, um mm-hmm. you know rent <laughs> mm. rather not rent um yeah. you know well, mission to the unknown was mark cory he that was oh a, he, yeah brett was the first part of that oh, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's because it tied in he tied in with that yeah that was, that was yeah. yeah um but even like missions go known on its own fucking mm. phenomenal 
Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Um, so I'm really glad we did them, but it was really difficult. And would I go back and rewatch them again? Probably not. Like obviously some of them now have been animated, so they're easier to watch. And I've gotten a number of the animations now that, that they've been released and stuff. Mm. But a lot of the other ones I probably wouldn't go back and rewatch. What I would probably do because of the way we do the podcast and because of the way that we focus on the characters and everything, would I go back and read the books? Yes. Would I go back and maybe mm. try and get like the narrated version of the novel because I'm a more of an audio book person. Yes. Yes, I definitely would. Would I have mm. done that before we started doing the podcast? No, I wouldn't bother. I'd just skip them in the book. So in a roundabouty way, it was really challenging. Mm. It was at times incredibly difficult to do. And I know there were some episodes that we really struggled with even having a proper conversation on it because you know, all credit to this calendar they're fucking fantastic, but like, it's really difficult to watch um, and to absorb what's happening when you're trying to read the fucking description and listen and watch what they're doing with the screenshots and whatever. But I am really, really glad we did it because we would have missed, mm. pardon me, we would have missed some amazing stories. And the first big sort of uh, disagreement that you and I had on someone being a companion versus a villain in the form of Marco Polo. Yeah. <laughs> Four stories. Um, which actually I think was a good challenge for us, though, in doing the podcast by having that massive difference of opinion. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, challenging. Yeah. Would I do it again? Maybe not. <laughs> but am I glad we did it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. All right. Um, do you want another question for me? Yeah. So I know what your second question for me is. So I'll leave that as my my related one is the last question I have here. Uh, so interesting right. question, right? Fandom Smash Up. Smash Up is a great game you love, right? Yes, Fandom I do Smash love Smash Up. Up. Star Wars, Star Trek, mm -hmm. Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. Who's your doctor? Mm -hmm. Who's your companion? And who's your villain or villains? Ooh. And Oof. because we're doing like potentially plucking characters from other shows and making them the doctor, you can have like hmm. Janeway is the doctor. So a lot of the morals that Janeway would have, but she's the doctor, if that makes sense. All right. So maybe just as an aside, automatically i want q versus the first doctor <laughs> okay so we have first doctor yeah. versus q and who's your companion so from star wars uh right so my companion from star wars now it's tricky uh also i'm challenging all of our listeners to do this as well hmm. so star wars star trek doctor who doctor companion village see this is the thing like where it's like i like a Star Wars character as a companion is is kind of tough. Um, I came up with the best one just for the for the two that you put in. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, okay, I need someone that can play off the first Doctor. 
and really play off against Q as well. Do you want me to tell you who I, who immediately came to my head? Yeah, okay, you tell me who immediately Mas came. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that is a good... Uh, just two old farts and Q. <laughs> uh, <laughs> keeping with... And like this might seem like a bit of a cheat now, to mm. be fair, but keeping with an aesthetic of a really good, solid Doctor Companion relationship that we've discussed mm. at length, probably Leia. Leia mm. as the Leia as the companion to the first Doctor, and Q as the villain. Since we're doing Leia, we will add an addendum. New Hope, Empire, Jedi. Or a sequel trilogy. Because there is a bit of a difference between Leia and the first three. There, there, there's... The, well, that's part of the character growth of all, of the three mm. main heroes across... Yeah, but if you were to pluck trimmers, her out of, out of the point. If I'm to pluck her out of a time stream, I'm probably going to take her from Empire. <laughs> because... That is... And again, if we're taking Rogue One into account for for this particular character arc, sorry, Paul is loving this, by the way. Um, <laughs> if we're taking Rogue One into account for this, which I think is a, and I've said it to, I've said it uh, to himself, and I've said it to you repeatedly, Ro- a New Hope has a much deeper impact because of Rogue One. Yeah, I would agree. It has a much, much deeper impact, and it, it, it like so it resonates a lot more. And again, that building into uh, Empire Strikes Back, it the impact is fucking a lot more. So I think I think Rogue One is probably the the best thing to happen to the original trilogy in a long time. Um, so, but yeah, I take her from Empire because she is in a scenario where she, it's not like the other or the princess that needs you know that, that rescues herself essentially type thing mm. um so there's a, maybe a little bit of that i won't say naivety but there's a bit of a real world thrown at her so she has that mm. real world experience i then being so heavily involved in the rebel alliance she's had just this like grit and determination grow like the stuff that she already had it's now multiplied because of her experiences. So if you take that character out from Empire and put her along with the first Doctor, you've got a softness that the two of them can get on really well with mm. and a defiance that she can stand up to him when she objects to his course of action mm. or vice versa. Like, yeah. So if you take Barbara's experiences from the Aztecs to Dalek Invasion of Earth to even the web planet mm. if you take all that life experience from Barbara and you push it you, you can compare it to Leia I think mm. so yeah that's I forgot there was another Leia option <laughs> that's not an option you would have picked yeah <laughs> there was another yeah. Leia option which well, is to be fair, yeah to be fair like, there is a lot of running and she seems to be great at fucking dodging like you know people <laughs> Um, and she's sassy as fuck yeah she's incredibly sassy as fuck um, so yeah that's my that's my fandom smash okay yeah interesting 
But like, come come on, you saw well how fucking Q, like John Delancey acted off Patrick Stewart, who like in season one is very reminiscent of of early Doctor. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, like that that fucking character chemistry. I think you can easily recreate that with the first Doctor and Q. Mm. Who came to my mind mm-hmm. was Doc Tom, mm-hmm. Colonel Kira. Oh. <laughs> um and then doing a villain from Star Wars is a little bit more difficult just because like the main Star Wars villain is obviously um just the Empire. Yeah. But like the fourth doctor in Kermit Kira trying to take down Jabba is a story I would like to see. <laughs> just because again, like keeping in with an aesthetic, like while Jabba is like that would make for hilarity. I think and for like an aesthetic type thing, like um Krennic from Rogue One, because he's very like like a gull, like a, a Cardassian. Yeah. Gull. Yeah, I, I think the reason why I think the base is like to go after like a mob. Like the, yeah. <laughs> the fourth doctor and Colonel Kira trying to take down the mob. Yeah. <laughs> Except that, the mob that... is made up of slugs and pig men. Like <laughs> I don't oh. know why it just entered my head and <laughs> I loved it. That would cool. be that would be cool. No, cool. and Kira, Kira could distract Jabba and his mob by just singing uh, "You Give Me Fever." She could, she yeah. could indeed. She could indeed. Mm. But also, I'm thinking like, <laughs> like Kira um, is a little bit quick to anger, oh, um, yeah. a bit quick to violence at times. Mm. And we saw how Doc Tom was with Leela. But like you could hardly call Kira a savage. No, but so I think it'd be thing... interesting to see how he would you know relate with someone who's more advanced technologically. I give it halfway through the first episode before she just fucking pucks him. <laughs> <laughs> like like just like proper like, you know, right cross across the jaw. <laughs> oh. uh, that's a good okay. question. Yeah. Back to you. Uh, um, hmm. All right. This one just kind of came to me there, and I think we might we might be able to. We can then come around to like our sort of joint question. Mm-hmm. Um, of all the doctors you've seen, no, because we won't take into account the ones that we've reviewed. Just or the only ones that we've reviewed, mm-hmm. but all the doctors that you've seen mm. for the for the entirety of their runs now as well mind you because you kind of dipped in and out of some people mm. if you were to pair one doctor off against an an evil version of one of the other incarnations mm. who would it be you know i'm going to include sylvester in this yeah only because i've seen the majority of his you you have seen. I just I, haven't watched like the first like three or four. I think. So I think with the Sylvester you've watched, you've watched what is like called like the Cartmel plan, which we'll get yeah. to like down the line. Mm. But that's like where the real solid foundation of Sylvester's character starts yeah. to come. So to, I'm going to include Sylvester as someone I've watched yeah. because I think it would. I would actually. <laughs> This isn't just a dig at a certain somebody. Mm-hmm. I think it would be interesting to put Bill Hartnell 
mm-hmm. up against an evil version of Peter Capaldi. Yeah. That, yeah, no. I because like Peter's doctor starts out in many ways kind of similar to Bill in the mm. sense that he's not all fucking lovey-dovey. No. Do you know? Um, but he gets there eventually. But like, imagine. Okay, imagine the whole thing with Clara. Not to give away too much words, but imagine the whole thing with Clara went a different way. His reaction to that went a different way. Mm-hmm. So as opposed to the Peter Capaldi that we get with Bill Potts, we instead had him flipping over the other way. I think that would be interesting to have the young impish first doctor encounter this version of his future self Mm. and try to like is it going to be a case of try to outwit him try to help him see the truth of the situation or whatever um but i think if you take the growth that doc bill had and then you put him in place of someone who had a very bad reaction to a very personal experience. Could he help him and turn him back around? Mm. That yeah. I think would be interesting. And it isn't just a dig because I've gone on and on about how I fucking hate what Moffat did to the yeah. Hartnell. Um, but I do think a showdown between those two would actually be probably the most interesting for me. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty cool. No, I like that. Cool. So then we have our kind of joint question where you phrased yours slightly differently. Yeah. Um, the way I phrase mine is what has been the highlight of the podcasting experience for you? Okay. And you phrase yours as... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I zoned out. Yeah, I just, I just zoned out there. Thanks very much. See, this is what I have to put up with. I had phrased it as what has been your favorite part of doing the podcast. So, question for you, just for clarification. When you say what is the highlight of the podcasting experience, do you just mean podcasting in general or this particular podcast? Either or. All right. I wanted uh, to encompass podcasting in general, just in case okay. you had a more definitive answer to that. Well, outside of having like a regular occur- occurrence to see you, yeah, virtually, yeah. <laughs> my my favorite part of this podcast experience has been, again, and I've said it multiple times, and it still is my favorite part, is watching your journey. Mm. Because, like, my my mentality towards my mentality towards fandoms has changed a, a lot over the last ten years. Mm. Because, like, with the rise of social media, I see I've seen like I suppose like I've seen a sort of reflection, mm. and I didn't i i didn't like it and i don't like it and i just realized that people say stuff about the things that i like and i obviously I, they say it in such a way that i don't like it 
it, it kind of it annoys me. It upsets me. It angers me. And then I realize that going, I've probably made similar statements, and it's had the same reaction to someone else. I don't want to be that person. I would rather express my negative opinions about something as positively as I possibly can. You know, mm. and I think this has allowed me to kind of do that. But one of the mentality I had was that like it's you can't comment on something unless you've seen it all. You know, unless you've like you know, you've seen every facet of it. And as I got on, I was like going like not everyone for whatever reason can get into things the same way that I've been able to get into it. Mm. Like I am like some people would say like I'm an old soul because I love lots of TV shows and movies from the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, and so on. It's just because of like the stuff that I was exposed to when I was, when I was growing up. Like one of my favorite movies of all time is a 1933 comedy. <laughs> like so, that type of experience. So like not everyone's going to be able to like go back and watch Classic Who because like they're just into black and white or the story pace just isn't for them. And look, that's the older I got, the more I realized that that's fucking perfectly fine. You know, mm. I because there's been stuff that apparently like everyone that loves a certain thing should be really into and I'm like it's not for me like I, I don't like it so whatever I had said is that might have hurt people I was like going, I don't want to continue to fucking do that I want to be able to express my opinion but I want to be able to do it in a way that, which is like this is just my opinion mm. and I think we've kind of done that like we're like we're constantly inviting feedback on whatever we're, was we're saying mm. um, but back to the point you who we've always had this shared interest in Doctor Who, but you haven't seen as much of it mm. as I have. And for you to go all the way back to the start and, as I said, discover a new love of the first Doctor, get a much wider experience of the third Doctor, who you know you would experience through one companion, mm. or two companions. Yeah. But that was the that was the Alpha and Omega of their run. You didn't see the rest of the alphabet. And like watching you go through that, uh, watching you go through Patrick Troughton's run, someone that is generally generally revered as the person that ha- that solidified Doctor Who as a stable, mm. you know, your experience with that, and then going through Tom and the roller coaster that you're having with that. I'm looking forward to getting to Peter Davis and Colin Baker see, discussing Sylvester. Mm. Then which we've, which we've kind of we've tried to limit how much we've been discussing so that's just because yeah i watched it while we were doing the podcast and we've tried yeah. not to talk about it too much yeah exactly uh and then coming all the way up into the new stuff like you know having an actual conversation surrounding christopher Eccles runs run because i think that's one thing that we've rarely done um mm. yeah we've like talked we about talk- someone else in that run but we don't talk about christopher yeah like we like you know we've talked about tenant you know to the cows come home mm. I'm looking forward to having a reevaluation of Matt Smith's run because part of that, you know, mirror darkly type fucking phase, it was I held it against Matt Smith, who yeah. I have come to realize and appreciate is a fucking fantastic actor. Mm. Like, I've seen him in a few things now that he's absolutely amazing in. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I've done a two for my favorite highlight. My highlight has been. A self-reflection and also watching your journey. Yeah, I've been the highlight of your podcasting experience. For yes. Um, <laughs> so, what has been my favorite part of the podcast? So obviously, there is the fact that throughout COVID, and the fact that 
we both have full-time jobs we're very busy you moved far away and you don't drive yet i'm working on it i'm working Um, on it having this sort of weekly originally it was bi-weekly but having this weekly check-in we're like you know we've commented before that we do chat a lot before we hit the record button Mm -hmm. um no paul we're not going to record all of it for you sorry this is this is this is your christmas gift paul hope you enjoy um, Paul, Paul has made it like a Christmas, uh, Christmas, a Christmas request that we start up a Patreon so he can listen to us chat shit before we go on there. But when it comes to our podcast, Paul is the living embodiment of shut up and take my money. Yeah, so no, like having a point in my week where I know I'm going to sit down and have a chat with you and yeah like we talk about what stuff we watched this week we talked about work because you know work with the same people I do we talk about personal stuff and family and Christmas and birthdays and weddings and this thing and that thing that's been great just to have that sort of in our calendar yeah in terms of the podcast in general though um not specifically the fact that you and I are doing a thing because we could do this doing anything, we could do this playing board games or whatever. But yeah. specifically the podcast. I think for me, like you touched on a point where you and I often view or used to view fandom very differently. Mm-hmm. You I, I remember you doing it with Star Trek, I remember you doing it with Doctor Who, where like, the dude had fucking schedules of like I have if I watch every episode, blah 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 blah, I'll get it all done by this date and remember. Right, he had fucking schedules. Is it also the same person who has schedules for how he reads books? I, I still do that. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> but when you first met, you also did it then. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, I considered myself a Doctor Who fan because I liked Doctor Who. Did mm. I watch all of it? No. I didn't have a particular interest in watching it. Um, I remember way back when, when we were on Dan and Paul's podcast, Half Measures, we've mentioned it several times already. Again, go listen to it if you're not already. Um, you know, they had us on their show and they asked the question of like, you know, if we were to get someone into Doctor Who, how would we do it? And I said, my entryway into Doctor Who was through Companions. So I watched Companions that I liked. And you know, the first Companion was Sarah Jane and so on and so forth. But what doing the podcast allowed me to do is A, find other companions I fucking like. Leela, for example. I fucking loved talking about Leela. Um, Joe, I get very fucking defensive over. Because <laughs> she was really like shit. Um, but for me, it was more a case of A, looking at it in a more critical lens and looking at the Doctor. Particularly because like, you say going back to the beginning, I'd watched the first 16 stories. Mm. I watched those years ago. But I watched them for Ian and Barbara. I didn't watch them for Bill. Mm-hmm. Bill just happened to be there. <laughs> Whereas going back and watching it and discovering this love for the first Doctor, which we've talked about ad nauseum, mm. but like I didn't see him that way when we went, no. I wouldn't have ragged on him. I still thought that the portrayal in um, Twice My Time was 
crap before I'd even gone back to do the podcast. Like, we agreed that at the time. Um, but getting to see that has been really, really good. Um, like, like, I never watched any of Patrick Trenton getting to watch that and stuff. It's been really enjoyable. And also, having an excuse <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> do you know? It's like, oh, sorry, I can't do this thing because I have to watch Doctor Who tonight. <laughs> no, I have to because I'll be letting down Paddy if I don't. So I have to watch it. <laughs> um, I've been really fun. But I think for me, it's been discovering characters that I had overlooked in the past. Again, I've said it the last couple of weeks, I'll say it again. I had the chance to meet Louise Jameson. My very first Doctor Who, my very first convention I ever went to, I had a chance to meet her and I didn't because I hadn't watched her stuff and she wasn't Sarah Jane. So, or she wasn't Miss Layton. So I didn't bother. And now having watched her stuff, I'm fucking kicking myself that I didn't do that. Um, is that going to change the way I am as a fan, though? No. Like, no. we're watching every episode of Doctor Who, that's a choice. But with, with other things that I like, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I've watched maybe 15 episodes of Voyager All In. I stopped watching Enterprise after the Zindi. I haven't seen the animated series. I've no particular desire to go back and watch it. Like, there's bits I don't watch. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Weirdly enough, and don't come at me, anyone listening, I have no big interest in animated Star Wars. I haven't watched The Clone Wars. I've watched two episodes of Rebels, I think. I just don't have an interest in that. Hmm. But I used to read all the Legends books when I was younger. I've seen all the movies. I've watched all the live action shows. Um, So in a completely roundabout way the way i see fandom isn't changing and the way i see like you can be a fan having just watched whatever it's like it's like the um it's like the stranger things thing right Mm. you can be a fan of a band when you've only heard one song in one shot Mm. you that still counts as you being a fan if you like that song because it's in that show you mm. still count as a fan of that band. Yeah, It's the same thing. But for me, particularly with Doctor Who, I think because Doctor Who had such a long-running history, there was a lot that I skipped because I didn't think I'd like the characters. And it turns out I actually did. Hmm. It was a very long-winded answer, which is essentially the same answer as yours. Yeah. But... No. I had I had one instance that I think for a, a good period of time really you know like it triggered the reaction I had, mm. which was uh, when I was in college I was part of the sci-fi uh, society, mm. and we wanted to do like in conjunction with the film society, who like there seemed to be like this just unnecessary rivalry with. <laughs> we wanted to do a Doctor Who week, mm. so we said right one showing per night pick a, a story from each doctor so we said like we'll mix it up you know so we were show, doing it own, and there was one person there that said like oh i'm a huge doctor who doctor who fan uh can i sit in on the meeting i was like oh, yeah yeah sure come on the way in so his pitch was let's just watch matt smith's season which was 
and it was Matt Smith's first season. Yeah, it was. And I was like, man, it's, it, like the show was nearly, you know, at that stage it was like, what are we going to say, 46 ish? Yeah. The show is like over 45 years old. Like, there's a lot of great stuff there. And they were like, yeah, but no, like some of it like looks terrible. I'm like, but like, have you watched it? And he was like, no, but it just looks terrible. And that just fucking, it just, I went ballistic. I said, look, sit down and no. Um, yeah. I, I do of, remember this person. <laughs> yeah, and like, my, see, my whole thing was that, like, okay, if you have tried it and you don't, no, I'm okay. Like you said, there, you're not particularly into animated Star Wars. My mentality has shifted to stage of give it a bash because I think you'll you'll like aspects of it. Mm. But if you and if you don't want to, perfectly fine. Um, if you do and it's still not for you, that's perfectly fine. But I'll always just say give something a bash. I no longer feel the need to say you need to watch it. And like back then, like, like just when your man said that, like, oh, it just looks terrible because it just looks terrible. Like, you haven't sat down, you haven't watched it, you haven't like at least attempted to grasp the characters or like understand, like, you know, just see some of the what they were able to do despite the limitations of their budgets. Like, and we've talked about it, like some of the the, the writing is so good, you don't pay attention to the wonky sets or the guys holding up the fucking <laughs> backgrounds. Like, um, and for those interested, we ended up picking. Episode one of an unearthly child, and mm-hmm. followed by the Aztecs. We did the last of the Time Lords, uh, which is David Tennant's uh, second season f- three part finale. We did Genesis, mm-hmm. uh, which was, and then we did um, the Matt Smith two part story with the Weeping Angels, and then for that we did Blink as well. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, we did Blink as part of that to give an introduction as mm-hmm. to what the Weeping Angels were. And then for the fifth day, we did. Did we not have just have the quiz on the fifth day? No, we had the quiz the same night as the weeping. No, no, we had to do the quiz a different day because mm. the old bar fuck was over. Um, what did we do on the fifth day? On the fifth day, we watched something else. I think it might have been. I honestly can't remember. Not a thing. No, we did what we did something, but we did it during the day. Mm. Um, but yeah, but like so. That was like back in, as I said, like 2010 and then for like three or four years or even, yeah, like three or four years, like my whole thing was like that. I just hated that whole thing of like, oh, you know, it just looks bad. I'm like, oh, no. And then it was the whole thing. You have to watch absolutely single aspect of it. And I was like, right. I remember watching every single aspect of it. And I'm like, yeah, some of that stuff is absolutely fucking naff. I know, but it's just like, again, like, yeah. <laughs> but no, like I just like I as I said, like I saw that like reflection. And I was like, going Christ Almighty!" Like I like, no, I don't. I don't want to make anyone fucking feel bad with my opinion, you mm-hmm. know. Um. So yeah, just be nice, people. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. Cool. So, what's next on the questionnaire agenda? So next on the questionnaire agenda was something we've kind of been talking about a little bit in talking a little bit in every podcast to be honest, but a little bit recently. Companion rankings and doctor rankings. Now what I'm gonna say is for companion rankings I think we should do top five mm-hmm. bottom three. Okay. I do, I'm not going to the effort of ranking all of them. Right. Top five, bottom three. And then we have doctor rankings of 
four three two one in whatever yeah yeah orders I got. So you can go first. <laughs> okay. So bottom three are in in what a bu- in what a bullet was Stephen. Stephen is my least favorite companion uh, thus far, and I've talked about him multiple times. And yeah, like, Stephen is like he 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 comes across as that guy. In any sort of like RPG group, um, and I like I've said it before. I think I said it to you. I said it to other people as well as that. If Stephen Moffat was trying to get a point across with his representation of the first Doctor, it should have. If you're trying to get that point across, have it be the first Doctor and a companion that represents those aspects that you're trying to give out about, which would have been Stephen. Um, next is Dodo because God love her, she just wasn't given a chance. She, yeah. she, she wasn't. Then is Victoria because, like, we were, we ranked Victoria like six to one, you know? Yeah. Um, oh no, sorry. She had, wait, did she have five stories, seven stories, or six stories? She had, sorry, she had seven stories. So we did like, uh, like Leela, you know, there was one. Yeah kind of on the wayside um but like there was just so much missed opportunities surrounding victoria and mm. the one defining thing about her character for me was that she humanized the life of a companion in mm. the tardis in fury of the deep it is it's a very emotional departure because of what it represents it's like it's not all fun and games. Like I'm sick and tired of being cold and chased and constantly afraid I'm going to be killed by something. Mm. Yeah, it's so. It's you know like when you play like we talk like you know you and I we love play doing um, RPs we love role playing mm. games. It's like yeah oh, this is absolutely cool you know I guarantee you, if we were thrown into that fucking scenario we'd shit a brick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah no so like I so much potential there. And unfortunately, her her to me her legacy is that defining explanation is the life of a companion. So yeah, mm. they're my bottom three. Okay, my bottom three mm. at the bottom. Stephen. Yes. And again, this is no slight on Peter Purvis. I'm sure he's lovely. No, P- I'm sure P- he's Peter... lovely. He comes across as a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. The character of Stephen. Particularly when you consider the fact that like, he came after Ian hmm. and you're like, what the fuck? I I think Peter Purvis unfortunately sometimes gets done dirty by um, interviews and things that he's asked to take part of because hmm. I remember, <coughs> excuse me, uh, UK TV Gold to Doctor Who at 40. Yeah, and they were discussing about Bill Hartnell, and they had cut Steve Peter Purvis's comments in such a way that it sounded like he was disparaging Bill. And it's like uh, he was like he wasn't well, so he wasn't really you know the the best. Or, I think it was like you made it look like he's you made it look him look like an inconsiderate asshole, where yeah. he was actually a deeply concerned person. Yeah, and even and now, like he's he's done the behind the sofa for um. Leela's he did the behind the sofa of like horror fang rock and all those. Yeah. And it was him and Sophie Aldrich. Mm. And he seemed really nice. 
you know, like the show had evolved obviously considerably from what he had done, but he seemed really nice. Like, you know, I, I, I hate, sometimes I hate the fact that we rag on Stephen so much because it's looking at bad person who I'd really love to be in person. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've, actually, I've actually seen some things now. I know that we de- generally don't bring this side of Doctor Who into the discussion of the podcast, mm-hmm. but in the last, specifically the last three years, Mm-hmm. There has been this rising agenda against Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and Peter, who has voiced traditional um, opinions about the show before, mm-hmm. you know, he, he has voiced those opinions, and like that's his he's entitled yeah, his opinion, has been brought on as a talking head onto, like. I don't. I, I won't voice the name of the station because I'm not going to give them that kind of leeway. Mm. But he's been brought onto various out media outlets that are against anything to do with the left or anything mm. to do with diversity or anything like that. He's been brought on as a talking head, and they have fucked up Royal by letting him speak because he actively speaks against what they're trying to promote. <laughs> they have brought they brought him on to talk about Jodie's run to disparage his run, and he did nothing but attempt to. Or sorry, her run. My apologies. Um, I there's so, just so many like you know because mm. I keep saying he 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 did like he lauded her performance he lauded the the direction they were taking he just had an issue with the quality of the material that she was working with that's entirely his subjective opinion absolutely yeah. they wanted him to go you know oh it's woke it's whatever it's like going it wasn't and they had to hush him up really quickly because he was damaging their argument <laughs> and I love and like that's why I was like going. Whatever issue I have with Stephen Tyler, Stephen Taylor, mm. not Tyler, <laughs> voice of an angel. Uh, whatever issue I have with Stephen Taylor, I do not have that same issue with Peter Burns. Yeah. So, bottom of the pack, Stephen. Mm. Second from the bottom, purely because I didn't connect with her, and we didn't get to see a whole lot of her. Miss Katarina. I thought we weren't considering Katarina to be a companion. Well, people do and people don't. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, are we considering Katarina? Like, well, see, this is the thing now, right? Is that people consider? Do like, people consider Sarah Kingdom? Yes. Oh yeah, no. That's the thing. People like, but we've had the whole justice for Brett type thing. And yeah, which, like, which know, I would also, if we're considering them, I am also considering Brett. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Because I think your whole point of the time was... Because like, those three go together. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, because like you were saying, that, well, if, if Brett can't be considered a companion, then Katarina can't be considered a companion. Oh, yeah. Because they, like, they, 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 exa- yeah, they, they did the exact same amount of stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, well, like, well, I see, I didn't I didn't count Katarina or Sarah Kingdom um, hmm. as part of my thing. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, that's so a, I that's put a fair Katarina point. next just because she didn't get to do much. Um. I would then agree with you on Dodo. Mm-hmm. I think Dodo was massively underutilized for really shitty reasons. Mm-hmm. Like the Dodo that we see at the end of the massacre is a bit mouthy. Do you know, she seems to like be an interesting, like, mix it up like the boys' club that is the TARDIS of whatever. Mm-hmm. And they don't let her run with it. But they made her change her accent. Mm-hmm. Things like that. I think she was really hard done by. Um, I will do another one since you're saying Katarina is a maybe hit or miss. I would probably have to go with Ben. All I right. suppose. I think I like Victoria. More. I think I find Victoria a more interesting character than Ben. 
Mm-hmm. They had the really interesting, really good development in Palace. I still think yeah. that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But he didn't really do much after that. He became like sort of a the sort of like frenemies type thing with Jamie. Yeah, yeah, and um, no, I don't need that. You know, no. I, I don't need that. So no. I would actually put Ben next. Uh, and sorry, speaking of um, Ben, I think he he is a good example of the loss that we have with the with the last episodes yeah. because I would love to see Michael Craze's acting in the Macro Terror when he's yeah. under hypnosis. Me too. Me yeah. too. Don't agree. So, yeah, so those are my bottom three slash four for Dream Katarina. Mm-hmm. So Stephen, Dodo, Ben. And you had Stephen, Dodo, Victoria. Go. Cool. Now we have our top five. Five, four, three, two, one. Cool. Go. All right. So this was tough. Like my my top three, you know, they're my top three. My four, my five were fucking tough. Mm. Um because like reevaluating certain characters and then placing them in their hierarchy and going back and forth. So I f- for number five I settled on Liz. Mm. And even now I'm not sure because I've been flip-flopping all day with the person that could potentially was five at one point, which was Joe. Mm. And like, I'm trying to like weigh up all the fucking pros and cons and it's like, you're seeing development and you're seeing regression and it's like seesaws and short amount of time and everything and it's like Christ almighty if it had just been my top four it would have been so much easier <laughs> um, and even now I'm fucking changing my mind um, <laughs> do you want me to go first? yeah you go first because I have my list right? Okay, yeah. so my 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 again 3, 2, 1 hasn't really changed all that much mm-hmm. 5 I have Leela mm-hmm Four, I have Liz Shaw. Three, I have Ian. Mm-hmm. Two, I have Barbara. And one, I have Sergeant. Leela was a surprise. Mm. 110%. I was surprised how defensive I got of her. <laughs> um, I was surprised how much I liked her, to be perfectly frank. Um, the only story of her that I'd watched prior to doing the podcast was The Invisible Enemy. Which we've agreed wasn't her best showing. No. Um, wasn't her worst, in my opinion. Wasn't her best. <laughs> um, and my, the main reason I watched that story when I got it was for the tin dog. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember much of Leela. I just remember the canine. Um, so Leela was a bit of a, a shocker for me. Like when we got to the end of her, I was like, yeah, of the, of the companions we've seen, she's in a five spot. Liz Shaw, I will defend to the end of my days because she's fucking amazing and she got royally shafted. Now, I know her and John wouldn't have been able to continue because she was pregnant and whatever, but she got royally shafted. Hmm. Like, the character did, and I don't care. Big finish has solved a lot of things. She's fantastic. She's lovely. Ian... He's my favorite Doctor Who boy. Like I can't, I can't not like. 
he's Ian. Do you know he's he's Ian? There's no other way to describe it. Yeah. Barbara is I think in reality, Barbara is probably who I would want to be most like as a companion. Because I know if I became a companion like Barbara's first like two two stories, she's scared fucking shitless. Mm. Scared shitless. As anyone would be. And like we say that like herself and Ian don't get the best character development in comparison to like future characters. But in terms of the women on the show, she's the most real. Mm. Her reactions to things are very real and very fucking relatable. <laughs> um and then we have Sergeant, who I will love till the end of my days. And mm. I we're open to change. We are open to change. I'm open to having my opinion on her changed. Do I think Annual is ever going to knock her off that top spot? It is really, really going to be hard. Because when we were coming up with this list, I had to challenge myself of based on Time Warrior to Hand of Fear. Mm-hmm. Not future stuff. Time Warrior to Hand of Fear. And she is still my favourite in Time Warrior to Hand of Fear. So Yeah. Yeah. So has this helped you in any way? It, no, it, it has. It has. And it's the, okay. It's a fo- it's a photo finish, you mm. know, with the whole you know first, second, you know that type of thing. Yeah. So in fifth place, it's Liz because mm. I loved Liz's interactions with both the Doctor and the Brig mm. because <laughs> there is a quote that you and I. Break out. We haven't bring, brought it out now in a while, but we used to break out every so often just as a bit of a giggle uh, from the film Mash. <laughs> Get, was it? Yeah, that one, the sultry bitch with the fire in her eyes. <laughs> and that well, is, is Liz in space. That is Liz in space, that sultry bitch with the fire in her eyes, because we talked, like, okay, we mentioned before about uh, Leela's character design Mm. it's meant to draw the eye but it doesn't Mm. in a weird inverse the first thing that you're drawn to towards Liz Shaw is her eyes they're they're fucking they flash with this defiance and sultriness and suaveness and charisma and intelligence and it's just you're fucking drawn to her eyes that's what Mm. it is and then the character comes out and the character, and then the white gogo boots come out. Yes, and then the white gogo come out. <laughs> but before the white gogo boots, yeah. everything that you see in those eyes is backed up by what comes out of her mouth. Mm. And like ranking her stories for the season, we had four stories to pick from. Yeah. And to the, the wire of when we started recording, you and I were both flip flopping as to yeah. what they were going to be. Because like with Inferno, we were trying to figure out like, is, is it a great Liz Shaw performance or is it a great Caroline John performance? You know, it's fucking tough, you know? Um, but to help Harold in a new era, Liz was a great companion, I thought. I agree. And I would definitely love to have seen more of her. 
and sure. even her even her off-screen reason for leaving mm. you can see the scene in your head yeah yeah so perfect and uh, we both agree that she's secretly doris yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> number four is leela because once upon a time in terms of the classic companion ranking this could have been jamie mm. but you can com- you compare leela to jamie and they have very similar things they are a companion from they are not they are a non-contemporary companion yeah. brought into a world that is very alien to them mm. and then you watch how they go jamie doesn't change unfortunately mm. Jamie is a no. Jamie is a is a very good companion, and he's he in my top ten companion. He's in my top ten companions at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is a, a very good companion, and there's a lot about Jamie that I love. There's a lot about Fraser Jamie was very I, nice to you in your video. He was. I loved it. Thank you very much. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot I love about Jamie, and there is some that I don't like about Jamie. Mm. Uh, mainly, I think his tendency, you know, to be like part of like the lads club mm. with. Doc, uh, Doc Pat. What I loved about Leela though was we saw so much character growth. We saw mm. so much development. We saw we fucking we were down the line in the same mindset on her top performances. Mm. And those performances were fantastic because we got to see this amazing character growth even in stories that we were um, in disagreement on in nature of the full story. We were in full agreement with Leela uh, on our thoughts on Leela. So, yeah, she's vaulted into the number four position. Okay. Ian, my first love. <laughs> yeah, so I like my love for Ian is so much that for a birthday present, Trish bought me The Adventures of Sir Lancelot on DVD just because it starred William Russell. <laughs> Um, it's brilliant, by the way. It, it is amazing. Would recommend. Yeah, I'm. Def- I have to rewatch it again. Uh, it's on. My, it's on one of my schedules. <laughs> also, I years ago uh, sat down one Christmas to watch The Great Escape, which is a film I've never mm-hmm. had an interest in, purely because he's in it. Yep, he's, he's in it for like. In a grand total, he's in it for about ten minutes. Let's be honest. Well, he he plays the he plays the character Soren, who is the uh, so the escape committee is called the the, the X organization, mm. and he is Soren. He's in charge of the security system. So basically, whenever the German uh, guards are getting close to any of the tunnels or any of the chicanery, he has set up like the warning systems and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And also, well, I sat through that entire film just mm-hmm. for him. Uh, He's also got one of my oddly favourite scenes, which is like when they're doing the escape stuff. James Coburn's character um, is trying to get like this big trunk down into the escape tunnel, and he just yeah. sits there taking over like this exasperated Ian voice. He goes, "You'll never get that thing through." Um, but yeah, no, it's just I love Ian. I- Ian is he is such a joy to watch because he he is an imperfect character. He really yeah. is. But that's what makes him perfect because yeah. he is imperfect. I think that makes you know waxing yeah. lyrical, you know, waxing philosophical. Also, like, he like he's a bronze Adonis, apparently. Yeah, he's a bronze Adonis, and yeah, don't forget. I don't think I forgot. Don't forget his yeah, don't there's a, don't don't think I forgot those comments. Um, <laughs> but like, there was just so much about him from the start. His rapport with the doctor, 
mm. is great. Like, while yes, it's an overly long story and it's it's good, but it's not great. His speech about the morality of forcing the Thals to mm. go to war is great. It's yeah. it's one of the I think all time classic Doctor Who uh, speeches. Mm. Um, and then as it goes on, like just those sixteen stories have a place in my heart for a reason, mm. and well, three reasons specifically, and one of them is Ian. Mm. Another one of those reasons is my number two pick, which is Barbara. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I had to think really long and hard about whether or not Barbara would take the top spot. Because I've always loved Barbara. But I always lumped her in with Ian as a duo. Yeah. And we talked about this. Yeah, lot. and just, no, just go around. They're, they are unique individuals. Mm. Whenever someone talks about the portrayal of classic companions I don't show I don't hold up Sarah Jane I hold up Barbara I I do I going look at what this woman did she she impersonated a god because of what people have called the white savior complex like that's a discussion well-intentioned white savior complex yeah well-intentioned like and it's like while, okay, yeah, it's still that side of things. You understand where she's coming from. Mm. It may, and like, we, like, that story is just, that it's a, such a multifaceted story. It's so good. But she impersonates a god. She does her best fucking Ellen Ripley, you know, <laughs> driving through the trucks. She puts up with so much shit from unwanted attention mm. to the extent of like where you were kind of going, this is starting to piss me off. Mm. Um, and it's the, just the whole thing, the whole way along. It's there's never a dull moment with her. I think and, one of my favorite scenes, looking back on Barbara, because there's so many, like mm. the entirety of the Romans, um, the entirety of the Aztecs, but is in Dalek Invasion of Earth mm. when herself and the stupid gouty one that she was stuck with, Jenny, um, yeah when she's like, I'll tell you the, their plans. And she starts rattling off military plans through history to the Daleks. Yeah. And then finally just runs over and impersonates the Dalek voice into the mm. It's brilliant. It's yeah. so good. So good. I like another one, another part that I like, and we we had a, I, I think we had, yeah, no, we had a disagreement about what actually happens at the end of it, but we, mm. I think we both agreed on that the scene itself was beautiful, was herself and the Doctor's conversation in The Edge of Destruction. Yeah. Yeah. And that is what started the cementing of that relationship for me. Yeah. Um, so as I said, yeah, like whenever someone like wants to rag on the depiction of classic companions or the depiction of women, you mm. know, in that era, I'm like, 1963, here she is. Yeah. You know? take your best shot but the reason that Sarah Jane comes in top form for me is because it's outside of being a great character mm. you know but again like the other two imperfect oh yeah but 
what I love about Sarah Jane is that it is a reflection of what it's like to be with your best friend. Mm-hmm. Like what it's like to travel with your best friend, go through all these dangers together with your best friend. And that's what the thing with Sarah Jane is, I think to me, has always been is that like the best friend. Mm-hmm. Now, it is replicated. I want to say... To, to give it its due, it's replicated two more times, I think. Mm. One being... One possibly being Rose, which we will have to see mm, again. Yeah. But the second time Ten being... Ten and Donna. Yeah, Ten and Donna. That is like... the It is the best friends traveling together. Yeah. And that's why when we eventually kind of maybe get to that stage, you'll see Donna appearing in a very high position on the list. But... That's I think that's what I love about Sarah Jane is that it's like being with your best friend, but then obviously her own aspects of the, the her solo parts of the story mm. are always engaging to watch as well. And I think, yeah, if people want to hold up, you know, that she's oh, she screams and she's captured and she's bloody blah 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 blah, like one story which isn't great we've agreed upon it it isn't great but there's a fantastic scene with her in it is um see uh, seeds mm. where herself and i can't remember the character's name but boise yeah. <laughs> he could snap and like shoot her or kill her or whatever and she's just like you're pathetic mm. and it's like you're dealing with a man that's on very unstable ground at the moment and mm. this is this is the course of action you're choosing to pick it's a very doctor thing to do. <laughs> you also um, have like stories like Android Invasion, another one that's kind of meh, you know, mm. whatever. She saves the doctor, the doctor saves her, she saves the doctor. Mm. It's a very back and forth um, with them. Um, it's interesting that you say like that, like, you know, it's the best friend dynamic because, you know, people who've seen the logo for Opaka mm-hmm. may notice that you and I are modeled after (laughs) Doc Tom and Sarah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which leads us into our doctor rankings. Yes. Is interesting. Mm -hmm. Maybe, possibly, kind of. So why don't you go first this time? All right. So now the other thing to kind of, I suppose, bear in mind is that we're only halfway through a run. Yes. While we're talking about this. So big, giant asterisks yes big on tom's placements whatever it is yeah so from lowest to highest Mm. i have and so number so yeah from a ranking of four at number four it's the second doctor Mm -hmm. because i love patrick troughton i really do he is a phenomenal actor and i have watched him in so many things and i will always watch him in anything that he appears in because he is that damn good his portrayal of the doctor though is that of a, i won't call him an outright narcissist but there is a level of unhe- there is a level of unhealthy ego there mm. that is hand in hand with a petulant childlike behavior mm. and i don't like it because yeah you choose to do something and not tell anyone and when it backfires because of that 
you have no right to give out to someone about it. That particular story really got in your craw, didn't it? it the ending of that story really got in your craw. It really, really fucking did. Like, because mm-hmm. I was like, if I don't know, you cannot hold me accountable for the actions that I take. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not fair. Or at least if you're going to hold, hold me accountable for my actions, take into account what you did to lead to those actions. But outside of that as well, like there is, I think definitely himself and Tom have something in common, which is a slight manipulate, which is a slight manipulation of their companions. Hmm. And then there is actually two and four are very kind of similar in that regards. I think they ha- they portray the negative those negative aspects, which is that level of egotism, which I have to be the smartest person. Hmm. And we're seeing that now with four and K nine. So it's kind of analogous to two and Zoe. Mm. So there are moments that I I know there are moments that I adore in Patrick's run. I mm. I've and I will always say that there are moments that I adore, but at the moment he is on the bottom rung of this very short mm. step ladder for me. Mm. And like one of those moments, it's got nothing to do with even a scene of him. It's uh, Web of Fear episode six they're in the tube station under guard by the Yeti and he starts playing the Skyboat song on his recorder. Mm. I love that sequence. I love it. And I love the fact that it was acknowledged in Power of the Doctor Just Gone. Mm. Love that. In the tree spot, mm. it's a, a palindrome, tree is in tree. Mm. Um, once upon a time, he would have been my second favourite Doctor. Mm. Unfortunately, there is... <laughs> there is an awful lot of John Pertwee in the third Doctor and I think that he loses sight of that self because it's I the James Bond Doctor doesn't fully work I don't think mm. I love the I love the caring compassionate side of the I, I love the caring compassionate side of the third Doctor I love the action man side of the Doctor I'm not a big fan of the fucking Gadgets, doohickeys, and mm. the old boy yeah. nature of the third doctor. It, it makes for, for for some debonair fucking uh, clothing choices, but he, I, I'm the same member of the club as old Tubby Rollins. That like that mm. type of stuff. It's like no, like that is. I get that it's like you're kind of thumbing your nose at authority by joining joining the authority that you you're thumbing your nose at, but then again, like it's like you're acting like the time lords act, and mm. you left their society. Yeah. So, mixed messages there. Um. And again, there are aspects of his performance that I love. Every callback to Inferno. And the fact that that stuck with his character, beautiful. Absolutely fucking beautiful. Um, his his first season with Joe, I think, is a is a really good season. And it's a, it shows really good mer- a shake-up for that character. Because mm-hmm. you do get to see a lot of morality there. And it's not a perfect season mind you but there is some really good discussions to be had in it and there's some really good nice character moments 
so in the number two spot at mm. the moment is Tom, is the fourth Doctor. His first three seasons are they're great. I, I like I'm, like I love the Hinchcliffe era. I adore it. Mm. Um, like Robot. I, I didn't rank it as highly as you. It's still a great. It's still a good story, but you you have Ark in Space, a Santaran Experiment, Genesis of the Daleks. That's fucking twelve top quality episodes right then and there, right then and there, you know. And unfortunately, then I just Noah's Dives with Revenge of the Cybermen. But then you come into like the proper Sergio and Doctor dynamic with season thirteen. Mm. Like it, it's so good. But unfortunately, we've regressed back into like the second Doctor territory there with his treatment of Leela, and I don't like it. Mm. It it just really annoys me. And like having, like I love seeing the Doctor as a flawed character. I really do. But at the same time, there's being a flawed character, and then there's just being a, a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think. Four has kind of entered into his douchebag phase now at the moment. Mm. I think too much. I think too much personal issues bled into the latter mm. half of the season, or the latter half, the latter half of the run we've experienced so far. But a number one is someone that I never thought would be a number one. Was definitely in my top five, but I never thought mm. would be where he is at the moment. And as someone that I have talked about at length which you talked about at length with other people is the first doctor mm. i absolutely adore the first doctor i love his character growth across those first three stories and i love the first 16 stories because of the relationship we have with ian and barbara and susan and vicky and even time meddler so like the first mm. like the first 17 yeah you're thinking of the line aren't you <laughs> <laughs> space on the yes i cab. am yeah. <laughs> those stories are just beautiful mm. and i think as well like we're giving on we're, we're not giving credit to like the, the unsung hero of this who is Ver- verity lambert yeah. verity lambert was a huge driving force in those 17 stories mm. then fuck john wilds um, but there's just so much i love about him and like there's there's so much to that character he's kind he's compassionate he's intelligent he's brave he's yes cantankerous Mm. yes at times he is morally dubious but those are the early parts of that character Mm. as he grows it's a pleasure to watch him grow because of who he ends up being Mm. and we didn't we didn't see eye to eye on the story uh, well, we saw a tie on aspects of the story, but the massacre. Mm. Episode four, the, specifically the last ten or so minutes, I would say are fantastic Doctor Who. Mm. I can't save anyone. Mm. Where I can't interfere, I'm not allowed. And like, that's going to be done again just on par in another story, which we will eventually get to, and I can't wait for it. And that leads to one of the best monologues in the show that to this day mm. is there is yeah. the they're all gone monologue mm. so yeah i just like i could fucking go on and on about him but he's my favorite 
we agree. <laughs> in placement of all of those. Right. Um, so currently in the fourth position, it, it, it's Patrick Trotten. Um Like you said, the second Doctor has some lovely moments. I loved him in Enemy of the World. I thought it was fantastic. Yep. Um, his moment with Victoria in Tomb of the Cybermen. Tomb of the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. But you and I have talked about it before, you know, people looking back saying like, oh, the first doctor was sexist and whatever. Mm. No. No. The second doctor. If you want to shine a light on someone for like on a doctor as being sexist, that light lands firmly on two. Mm. Stop shining on one, it doesn't belong on him. I think with Patrick, I completely agree with you. There's just there's this ego that is so petulant. It's not fun, it's not funny, it's annoying. And it makes him like it causes issues in the story. It's a flaw of the character, but it's a flaw I can't get around do you know yeah like some characters have flaws and their flaws you accept as being part of them and it's part of the reason why you like them this is a flaw that i can't accept as part of the character it's the reason why i don't mm. like him as much so for me patrick is number four number three is three the main reason why is he has some brilliant moments like i said inferno fantastic all of the callbacks for Inferno, fantastic. His regeneration mm. sequencing, the whole last bit of Planet, Planet of Spiders went on for a while. Yeah. Um, but the whole last half of that last episode was fucking brilliant. But there is a little bit of sexism in there. Mm. Not as strong, in my opinion, as Patrick, but it is in there. Yeah, it is the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy has got to stop. Mm. Yeah, in no. in multiple ways, right? You have the Silurians versus the Sea Devils. Mm-hmm. You big giant raging hypocrite. But then you also have this hypocrisy of oh, you're the brigadier and his guns and blah 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 blah. It's like. And stop working for him. Go get a job somewhere else. Mm. Go set up your own river. Oh wait, you can't. Because these people are housing you, feeding you, and protecting you. So, either respectfully disagree, or shut the fuck up. Or leave. Those are your three options. Mm. But, like, I, I still, you called it out at the time, in the demons, where Joe makes a comment, the same as a comment he would make, and he rakes her over the coals for it. Yeah. It's like, the hypocrisy is unparalleled. The other thing as well, you said that like, his first season with Joe was really good. I... I'm a bit in between on that because that's also the first season with the Master, and that is a toxic fucking relationship. Oh, it if is. If ever I saw one. And the reactions are very unsettling. Like, 
Hey, he just shocked someone. Oh, that master. Off he goes again. And I'm like, dude, like, read the room. <laughs> like, mm. what the hell? So for me, that's why, he, like, again, some lovely stuff as well. Like, some fantastic episodes. I love him with Le Shaw. I wish we had more of the two of them together because their dynamic was so great. Like, his whole introduction to Le Shaw, you know, the eyebrows thing, whatever, yeah. is it's fantastic. And like the trust he has in her and whatever, that's brilliant. Unfortunately, largely during his time with Joe, it kind of goes off into fucking, and then, oh, there's the possession, possessiveness of Joe. I'm not going to go into the green definitely, but I'll, I'll be here forever. Yeah. Um, number two, we have Tom. Tom for pretty much the entire time in the Five Doctor Who, Tom was that top spot. Tom was amazing. I had only seen Tom with Liz. And I agree with you. He's entering into a phase now that I do not enjoy. Um, you know, there's being, he doesn't like Lila using weapons. Okay, cool. He's going more down the pacifist route, whatever. Cool. You can play with that. If it was just that, he might even still be in the number one spot, to be honest, if it was just that. But how fucking dare you continue to treat her like she's a fucking monkey hmm. or something? It's no, no. Like all of the amazingness with Sarah Jane is just like, and dive off the cliff. I'm like, what the hell? I'm curious to see the next few companions because. If this continues, will he drop down further? And this this is the problem with the Tom's run is so long. Mm. I are we even halfway through it? Are we just about halfway through? Uh what is it now? We've done No, we've got we've got we've four done four seasons. seasons. Yes, yeah, so we're halfway through. Wait, have we done four no, we haven't done four seasons. We've done three seasons of Tom. No, we did uh, Robot. Yeah. Uh, uh, Zygons. Wait, wait, so we have done four seasons. We have done four seasons. Oh, sorry. So we have three seasons. Three seasons to go. Okay, so we're over halfway there. It's going to be a very interesting second half. We're going to put it that way. Yeah. And in the number one spot, we have Bill. <laughs> Which... It's probably incredibly surprising. Like, if you had said before we started the podcast, hey, in three years' time, Trisha's favorite doctor is going to be the first doctor. What? Okay. Like, I liked him, like I said mm. before, but I will defend that character and Bill's legacy with that character to my fucking dying day. I love him so much and i was thinking about it a while ago and i was like this is so softy and sentimental but i never knew either of my granddads right Ooh. i'd want doc bill as my granddad oh do you know it's like yeah he'd be a cool granddad do you know which which is the thing because he is a granddad yeah do you know and you get that from him. He's a cantankerous <laughs> fecker 
for the first three. And I think that's the difference, I think, between all of the others and Bill, is that Bill had that brilliant arc in the first three. Mm. And then we see him continuing to grow little bit by little bit, taking in Vicky, or letting go of Susan, taking in Vicky, and the way he is with the others. He continues to grow. The others don't in the same way. And particularly in Tom's case, he's now developing down in a way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like as in he's not learning, he's developing new behaviours that aren't good. Um the end of the Dalek invasion of Earth, letting go of Susan. Go forward in all of your beliefs. Like mm. the ending of the massacre is I fucking hate the massacre as a story. But the monologue monologue you know his relationship with barbara is amazing i the, his, the way he is with vicky is brilliant and like even though like dodo didn't really get a lot he also had a really nice relationship with dodo you know, he mm. had nice relationships with pretty much all of his companions mm-hmm. like i can't think of anyone he had a outright bad relationship with no nor can i do you know, i mean some people he gave way more stuff than they were due, but like Oh yeah. But he also as he grew, there wasn't that hypocrisy that we see with say John. There there was no sexism. Mm. I cannot stress this enough. He had and again we're talking about the character not necessarily Bill, right? Because you said the Bill that's an mm. The first doctor had so much respect for women. Mm. It really is. I mean, you said that you hold up Barbara as the companion. You know, hey, if you're looking at a classic companion, you got to start at the beginning. If you're looking at the classic doctor and like the friendships and the dynamics, you have to hold him up. Mm-hmm. For years, I didn't because I was watching for Ian and Barbara, but like, he's. He's the impish little granddad. Yeah. You know? Um, and I still remember because it's up on my shelf when Shane made like the little tiny little heart mill thing. Yeah. <laughs> he's up on my shelf with my like eagle moss little heart mill. Oh. Like he's cute and adorable. So yeah. Um, two, three, four. Mhm. Nice. So we've gone on for an hour and a half. Yeah, and we have at even... time of recording with our own questions. Yeah. This is what happens when we go completely fucking off-beast, but has our... Um, now time for questions from our listeners. So we got a couple of questions mm-hmm. from some of our long-term listeners. So uh, we'll go in the order that I wrote them down. Right. So Shane is up first. Mm-hmm. So Shane's question. If you could pick any actor in the world, man or woman, to replace a doctor run, who would you pick and who would they replace? bonus points if they are contemporaries i'm not really going for bonus points shane because mm. my brain doesn't work that way paddy's does though so maybe he's going for bonus points <laughs> so i'm not gonna lie i have four <laughs> okay go for it so my four are let me pull it up and some of these have no rhyme or reason from whatsoever okay all right the first one i tried to look at people who are the same age right which is john pertwee mm-hmm Christopher Lee. Interesting choice. 
Very interesting choice. Yeah. I think so. In my head, I was trying to find someone for Bill Hartnell. We already kind of have Bill Hartnell and Peter Cushing. Like, that's already yeah. a thing. And then I was like, oh, Peter Cushing. And then my brain went, oh, Christopher Lee. And I was like, ooh. Like, I think it's because John Pertwee is the Bond yeah. doctor. And like Christopher Lee's stories from the war. Yeah. Like, I can see him doing that really well. <laughs> Do you know? Um... It's conceivable that he killed a man with a lunch tray. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? I I can see him in that. Mm. Do you know? Um, and I think you know, I haven't seen a lot of fun Christopher Lee. <laughs> so I would quite like to see some fun Christopher Lee. <laughs> if, if, you, if you want to watch fun Christopher Lee, I would highly recommend Gremlins 2. Because he's still a bad guy in it. But it's so hammy. It's just wonderful. So yeah, Gremlins too. Mm. Which then, also has Robert Picardo with hair. Oh wow, that's weird. Yeah. Next on my list, no idea why. I think it's just the optics of the chase. <laughs> and like going from potentially one extreme to another is Sylvester McCoy mm-hmm. for Brian Blessed. <laughs> <laughs> why? I don't know. I just think it would be brilliant. Ace, you're not shouting loudly enough. <laughs> I think it's just the Western does have a little bit of that impishness. Yeah. That I think Brian can act Brian actually does impishness quite well in various stuff, do you know what I mean? Um but it's the darkness in Sylvester. If that coming through of Brian's voice, I think it would be amazing. Brian is Brian's a great actor and if you've ever seen him in Henry V, uh, Kenneth Branagh's version of it, mm. there's a there's a scene called the the Iron Ultimatum, where basically he in full mm. armor goes up and he gives an ultimatum to the King of France and the Dauphin, and it's like you can see him in that exact garb giving like a Doctor Who speech. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, I can yeah. see that. Okay. Uh, next we have Peter Capaldi mm-hmm. and Ian McKellen. Hmm. Yeah. I quite like the idea of because I think Peter's doctor goes through a very interesting growth phase. And he starts he being does. kind of cold and whatever, and eventually becomes incredibly warm over. Why stuff like imagine you have the character starting off quite cold, and it's said just becoming Ian. <laughs> yeah, because Ian McKellen is so loving and so sweet and so genuine and so kind. And he would make such a good doctor, do you know? Mm. And if I was to re- swap him out with someone, like imagine Ian McKellen with Bill Potts. I mean, mm. come on, that would be brilliant. Um, and then my fourth choice, <laughs> I only asked for one choice, but no. yeah. my fourth choice is, and this is something that I said at the time, Jodie Whittaker, Hayley Atwell. And I have a, a couple of reasons for that. One, okay. I always wanted Hayley Atwell to play a female doctor. I just oh. always never. Two, and this is more about the optics and reception of Jodie's doctor. Hayley already had nerd cred. Yes. And I think a lot of people 
internationally with Jody may have known Jody from Broadchurch, mm-hmm. which is they had Jody and Chris Chibnall together. Mm-hmm. Which may not have been a good connection mm. for some people. Haley has great nerd cred with Marvel and her work on that. Um, Agent Carter, fantastic. The show and the character in the mm-hmm. films. And, but Haley is also incredibly funny. Mm-hmm. And I think she would have made it an amazing doctor. And I think if you put her in Jodie's stories, I think the stories, because like, this is the thing that I asked Shane, like, are the stories changing? He's like, no, not really. The story fundamentally remains the same. But I wonder if people would have accepted it more. Yeah, because... Because she has that nerd crack going in. And, like, I think when you're speaking specifically on that point, every, like, everyone that came into the role of the Doctor will go with just the revival era. Mm. No one... David Tennant really didn't have international recognition outside of being Barty Crouch in Harry Potter, which, again, I wouldn't say is a huge amount of nerd cred. No. Matt, Matt Smith, it was his first big gig. Peter Capaldi... In the thick of it, skins. Doctor Who. Yeah. And like, oh no, I know, all fantastic actors. And Jodie herself is a fantastic actor. Oh, it's a friend. Yeah. But Jodie fucking landed into a minefield yeah. because of who she was and what she was representing. Mm. Haley going to that same minefield. Yeah. Haley cushions the blow. Yeah. And yeah. I wonder if. Which is un- which is a horrible thing to say, but it's a horrible it, it, way of doing it. But a- I'm curious to see Haley do it anyway, because Haley was always my number one pick. Hmm. You know, when they were talking about like changing children, but Haley was my number one pick. Hmm. Um, she's also my number one pick for the generation. I'm gonna, uh, she's going to continue. Oh yeah, I will forever want to see Haley in that role. I'm just saying that. But in terms of the fan response, and. Maybe, I don't know, maybe some of the writing in reaction to the fan response, which I don't know how they did that. I wonder if Kaylee's nerd could have cushioned the blow. And given her at least more leeway to develop, to establish herself before people got the knives out. There's one story that I'm picturing in my head uh with Haley in mind and it's Rosa and I can see her yeah I can see her easily bringing her flair to that role yeah in that in that part Haley's a good choice mm-hmm. Haley's a very good choice so Shane you got four for one mm-hmm. <laughs> you're welcome mm-hmm. <laughs> um I tried to do contemporaries it didn't really work but whatever uh, you're four for one uh, go Patty go I, I want to be ch- Ooh. I have a mal and a femal. Mm. So, I've said it to you multiple times, and I remember repeatedly saying it on like message boards and chat and stuff at the time. After David Tennant, mm. I wanted Robert Carlyle. Yes, you did. I remember. I, I wanted Robert Carlyle because I love Robert Carlyle. He is a fantastic actor and I'm glad he has the recognition he has on a worldwide scale because of stuff like Once Upon a Time that's, pro- that's probably for more I suppose maybe mainstream audience hmm. but like if you look at his stuff like 
Now I haven't seen Train Spotting, but I I know of the character from it. But like, I saw Train Spotting when I was way too young to watch Train Spotting. But like, <laughs> I haven't seen it since. But like, the fucking the the full Monty, um, twenty eight, you know, twenty eight weeks later, Plunkett and McLean, which is a is a funny fucking movie. Um, even his work on Star Stargate Universe, mm. but like, and also. Um, the Bond villain from um, The Warren's High Enough. Mm. He is a versatile actor, mm. and I would love to have seen him in the 11th Doctor's tenure. Putting him into the stories, I can see him working just as well as Matt Smith did. And Maybe ma- less of the weirdness with him and Amy? But <laughs> yeah, like the the interactions between him and Amy wouldn't have been as weird, and for me, that might have saved Amy's early character. Because I I don't particularly like early Amy, not young Amelia, early Amy, <laughs> two very different characters. Um, but like every like a lot of people love the Rings of Akatan speech. Mm. I can see Robert Carlyle fucking belting that out. Mm. Um. Even like the introduction, like the whole you know fish custard type scene, mm. I can see Robert Carlyle just. I'd love to see him in rubber. In him, in rubber be, him in rubber would be interesting. River, river. Oh yeah, no, that would be great. That would be really, really good. Um, also, um, Vincent and the Doctor. I mm. think that would be a, a wonderful. Oh, that'd be a great story for him. Yeah. So yeah. Robert Carlyle, I want him to be the Doctor at some stage because. Mm he is fucking phenomenal and for Jodie's run I went with someone that has I wouldn't say has nerd cred but has huge cred Emma Thompson I yeah. would love if Emma Thompson uh, in Jodie's era yeah but if Emma Thompson at any point would be great there yeah. isn't a person I was trying to fit in but I didn't know who I'd swap them out for which was Helen Mirren but I didn't know who I'd swap her out for. Young Helen Mirren, you could easily have swapped out with John Pertwee, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But then, like, her is on screen would just put men into a fucking coma. <laughs> <laughs> like, a good coma. Like, just like, you know. Like, um, older Helen. I'm thinking, think like, of, like, I think you could do Helen and Sylvester. I think it would be mm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Is Helen can do cold and calculating. Yes, well, well, of course she can. Yeah. You know. um, but sorry, you, you were talking about Emma. Sorry. Um, Emma Thompson has everything. She has everything down. It's amazing. Like, there's one role. I, I love her. It's one of her later roles. And it's a very small role, but still funny. It's uh, Bridget Jones's baby. She plays the, um, the OBGYN. Mm. And she's fucking hilarious. Like, there's a part in it like where there's a paternity test needs to be taken to see who's the father of the baby, and she's like, "Oh, it's just like the X Factor, isn't it? You know, dial one if it's Mark, dial two if it's." And then she says that she walks out of the room. Uh, she's she's so fucking funny, and like she can be a serious actress, she can be a funny actress, she can be an emo- like emotional actress, she can also be a villain at times. Mm. Like, she is great. And just as well as I can see Haley in Rosa, I can see Emma in Rosa as well. I could too. 
I'm so, there's a couple of Annas that are coming into my mind as you're talking. A couple of roles. First is Much Ado. Like, Emma Much Ado is phenomenal. Also, mm. has Brian Beffitt. Yes, it um, is. <laughs> but Emma's Much Ado is fantastic. But also, um, the Cambridge Footlights reviews. Mm. You really get to see Emma's humour. Mm. Shined. Like her with Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie and the whole crowd. I think that's the thing about Emma is that she can sell humour. Mm. She can sell slapstick. One of my favourite clips of Emma Thompson is on a Graham Norton interview she did where she was talking about how she went to Reading Festival <laughs> and she tried to use one of those um, I can't remember what it's called like a shoe or something. One of those things are to, to allow women to pee standing up. Right? Mm. And she was talking about how it didn't work at all and she got pee all down herself and then is it Cara Delevingne was on it with her and she was like she, she, was, she, was, like, she was imagining someone you know completely stoned at Reading Festival walking past and was like is Nanny McPhee covered in wee <laughs> and like, but like she, you know, she was Nanny McPhee you yeah. know um, yeah I think Emma Thompson would be great at any point in time yeah and I think you'd actually swap Emma out for any of them really mm. Particularly any of those modern doctors, you could definitely yeah. swap Emma out for any of them. No, Christopher Eccleston's run, you could put Emma Thompson in there, um, David's run, absolutely. I think of... I think, I think Matt's of, run is probably the one that she'd struggle the most with in terms of yeah. just those stories. I don't think she'd maybe be the best bit there, but... Mm. See, the thing is, like, whereas, like... Um, when it comes to the Ring of Akatan speech and she goes, if she was to say, take it all, baby... I can just imagine her story about trapping Stephen Fry at the end of the foot of stairs <laughs> while she flashes him. Uh, yeah, like so. Like, yeah. 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 Oh God, traumatizing for Stephen Fry, but <laughs> hilarious at the same time. Yeah. Oh, um, so we have two questions. We have we have several questions from. We have four from questions our, from Paul. Yeah, we have four questions from Paul, and we have one question from Dan who is yeah. Paul's co-host on the Half Measure podcast. And I'm wondering, should we, will we save Dan's question for last or will yeah. we have it for, okay, fair <laughs> we'll enough. We'll do Dan's question for last. Cool. Um, okay, so Paul has four questions. Hmm. Okay. Um, his first one, I think you've kind of answered already, maybe. Um, if you could only review one more Doctor's run, who would it be and why? So I thought about this and... I have two answers, one for me and one for you. Mm. If we are to do one more Doctor's run together, I would like to do Colin's run with you because Mm. I want to get your impressions on Colin's run. If we're to do one more review for me, I would like to go back and reassess Matt Smith's run. Mm. I also have two. Okay. My first one was actually Sylvester, because we didn't get to talk about it, and I really, really, really want to talk to you about Sylvester's run. Mm-hmm. I also agree with you about Matt. You and I formed an opinion about Matt Smith's Doctor very early on in his run, like mm-hmm. first episode. I remember sitting in your house in Deer Park, watching the vampire one, yeah. whatever that was called. Um... And I remember us both kind of being like, okay. And I remember us talking and being like, what the hell? And we didn't 
we didn't enjoy it. And eventually I just stopped watching and you sort of let me know when there was a good episode or whatever. We were young. Grr. <laughs> we had our opinion of what good Doctor Who was. Mm-hmm. And we had a big chip on our shoulder that you've already commented on. That at the time we've largely blamed Matt Smith for. Yeah. In hindsight, I think it's Stephen Moffat. <laughs> but again, that's me saying that based on the fact I didn't like it when I first watched it. But look at it with a critical view because, you know, Paul loves Matt Smith's work. Hmm. And actually, if for no other reason, for love of Paul, I would love for us to do yeah. Matt Smith's run. Because yeah. I think, because Paul asked us both separately on our thoughts, and I think he was a bit surprised. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. End subscription. <laughs> yeah. You and I can talk about whoever we want off the air. Yeah. But I think for the proper, like, doctor, companions, villains, stories, story of the five, I think it would have to be Matt. Yeah. All for you, Paul. It would have to be Matt. Yeah. Um, this we may have already covered. Again, I have it on with you. Uh, what's the biggest surprise in the four doctors you've covered so far? I think it's the. Um, I suppose you could say the restructuring of the hierarchy mm. from four going down to one, just fucking catapulting into the lead. Like, I agree. This is this is how much the first Doctor has had an impact on the two of us. We have been fucking waiting on the edge of our seats and looking at the dispatch emails <laughs> for the the they're, they're re-releasing every se- well fingers crossed that that's the plan. They're mm-hmm. re-releasing classic seasons of Doctor Who with updated. Um, like uh, what is it? Definitions, high definition. Yeah, they're doing Blu-ray releases with like all this behind the sofa stuff that Trish has been on about, and just new features and everything. And they finally did one for the second Doctor. Now, unfortunately, it's for it. It's going to include the Crusade, which has two episodes missing, and they're not animating them. They're just doing stills with linking narration. But I think we're both in agreement that the second season is our favorite Hartnell season. Hmm. We've been waiting for this, and we're both getting for it for Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah, so like that shows you how much we've grown to love the first Doctor. So yeah, I think that's the biggest surprise. I think it's the biggest one. I think the second surprise is probably how big of a shift Doc Tom went through from Sarah Jane to Leela. Yeah, I was not expected to be that big. I knew the, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And I knew kind of a bit like Tom's later stuff. I'd heard some talk about Tom's later stuff. I wasn't expecting it to be that obvious straight away. Do you know? Um, but I think I think the big thing is just Bill. Bill just shooting up in the rankings. And yeah, I can't wait for season two. I'm really looking forward to behind the sofas for that. I don't know who they have. I love those behind the sofa things. They're really cool. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, no, I'm really, really looking forward to that now. The films are good. I'm gonna love it. Um, also, if you haven't seen the trailer for it, the trailer, the trailers that they release for these Blu-ray special editions are all phenomenal. The season two trailer is brilliant. My my favorite of the trailers was for uh, season twenty three, which is the trial of a time lord season. Mm. It's Colin Baker in an actual courtroom, as he is at the moment, just basically reiterating parts of the speech to a to a judge, which is like, and he was like for a speeding ticket or something. I actually, uh, I actually really liked the one they had for. Um, Sylvester season that they did mm-hmm. because it had a charitable earth aces yeah. foundation and stuff which was really, really cool um, but yeah would highly recommend those trailers because they're really good do yeah absolutely cool next question what classic who story are you looking forward to the most Oof. I've thought about this mm. and no as much as I've been happy on about wanting to uh, get to Colin's run I think I'm most looking forward to Remembrance of the Daleks which is Sylvester's Dalek story mm. because that is when I think we're going to see the not the wait is it the start I think it's probably the start of the swing of the Cartwell plan mm. and I really want to discuss your initial thoughts on that plus that story brings up some really interesting talking points uh stuff that doctor who handled more so in the classic in the, mm. the, the early days of the classic era mm. so i'm looking forward to talking about that one mm. interesting i also have a sylvester story Ooh. i was like okay it's either going to be for me i was like i was torn between three i was torn between reverse of daleks ghost light and curse of henrik mm. Yeah, I, Curse of Fenric is... A, we'll have to decide what version of Curse of Fenric we're going to do. Because I think they did two edits of it. Mm. They have like a feature-length edit and they got the normal edit. But in terms of Doctor, Companion, Villain, Discussion Point, that one is rich in all three, I think. Mm. And then, again, because we haven't really discussed it, we discussed it a little bit, but we haven't really gotten into it. I'm really, like, the minute I watched that story, I was like, oh, I can't wait till we get to that. And like, it's so far away. <laughs> like, I think probably what we'll end up doing is, like um, Planet of Giants, we'll probably do, we'll, we'll probably recap the, the normal version, mm. and then we'll talk about the edit points yeah. Um, for the theatrical version. Mm. Um, I am curious. Actually, well, I'll get to the end. Never mind. Um, never mind. Remind me when we get to the end. I had a thing I wanted to say. All right. Um, okay. Pause. Fourth question. Mm. Fourth question. You can bring back any companion or villain to New Who. Who would it be and why? Companion Susan. Bring back Susan. Let her have some sort of a fucking meet up again with any version of because that's what like we thought we got with end of time we thought we might get that with fucking Capaldi like 
just bring her back. Mm. Um, I also picked a villain, or like this is like, like the two villains that I think I wanted most to come back have come back, and that's the Santarans and the Ice Warriors. Mm. Um, one crowd I have, and I've said it a few times, that I would like to see come back with the benefit of a modern day budget is the Monoptera. Mm, yeah. I would like to see the Monoptera have a return. Mm. And possibly a prequel story that leads to the birth of the Animus. Because Ooh. the Animus is fuck it, like we're what, 96 stories in? Mm. Oh, and we keep, well I keep anyway, comparing stuff to the Animus. Yeah. So for companion, I have the exact same person. Yes. Like, acknowledge she fucking existed. <laughs> for Christ's sake. Like, we thought we got it in end of time. I thought we were going to get it in the 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Is it the 50th? No. Yes? Well, the 50th was the... The Rose thing. John Hurt. The John Hurt thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 I thought we were going to get it there. We didn't. We didn't get it in the centenary episode either. Although we did get we we got Ian. We got Ian. I nearly mm-hmm. cried. <laughs> Fuck you. I did cry. <laughs> we could have gotten it with Peter. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like we got a little bit with Peter. We got an acknowledgement she existed with Peter because her picture was on his desk when he was like in the first episode where Bill meets First episode of his last season where Bill Potts goes into his office. He's got a picture of River and then a black and white picture of Susan. I'm like, cool. You've acknowledged it. Bring her back. I think the biggest... Like, I'm looking forward to Russell T. Davis coming back. I think the biggest kind of fuck you to classic fans that Russell T. Davis did, in my opinion, was in End of Time. Mm. We have a woman with short-ish brownie-red hair who stands to the left-hand side of Rassilon. Mm-hmm. And she's the one who's like, the doctor's seeing her all the time. Whatever. I watched that story and I'm like, that's Susan. Oh my god, they brought back Susan. They didn't bring back Caroline John, which is a bit shit. But I was like, that's clearly meant to be Susan. Caroline Ford. Caroline Ford. Caroline, John and Caroline. You know who I meant. Um, I think that's clearly meant to be Susan. It's meant to be a future regeneration of Susan. Obviously. Obviously. Who does Russell T. Davis say it was? The Doctor's Mm -hmm. man. Who we never fucking heard about before, to my knowledge. And no one fucking cares. Well, this is the thing as well, is that according to the 8th Doctor movie, which I am also looking forward to watching and reviewing with you, um, is... Um, oh, the Doctor's half human, isn't he? On, on his mother's side. Yeah. That's the, that's the line. Um, but also, if it hadn't been Susan, like, the other logical person was that was Rom- Romana. Yeah. Um, so... But yeah. I think Susan needs to come back. In terms of a villain, the main villain I wanted to come back did, which is I wanted proper Sontarans 
Mm-hmm. And we got them in spades in flops. Or spots. Which... Depending. <laughs> um, I loved them in flops. They were probably the one big villain I really wanted to come back. In terms of an individual villain, I don't know if they'd get away. I think they'd have to rename him. Is a celestial toy maker. Saying nothing. See, when you say saying nothing, that is saying something. If you just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> no, um, it, it's it's a thing. Neil, Neil Patrick Harris is going oh, to. Oh, please don't tell me he's. Oh, no, no. They said they, they, he is playing a character who a theory is that he is the the, the toy maker who will just be called the toy maker. Mm. Um. He better not fuck. If it is okay. Trish doesn't really do spoilers, so this is as far as we're going with this conversation. Mm-hmm. If that is who he is, he better not fuck it up. I have complete faith in Neil Patrick Harris. I don't. Okay. I didn't particularly like him in the latest Matrix movie. Right. And I like him in How I Met Your Mother. But I didn't really like him in the latest Matrix movie. And... I am concerned that he often plays the same, like, he plays the same all the time. No, um, I watched Russell T. Davis's show, It's a Sin, and he's yeah. in that for one episode. Fuck it, he, it's a great show. I'd recommend anyone to watch It's a Sin. Mm. Neil Patrick Harris is in it, and it's, it's a sad show. And he's like he's got a very sad story in it, but he's really good in it. And no, I didn't watch the Netflix version of Un- series of unfortunate events. I heard he was great in it, um, but I've seen him in other stuff. That I Neil Patrick Harris has the range to pull off being celestial toy maker. Hmm. Well, see if that is who it is, and we're not again. We're not going to discuss it past today because yeah, Trish no. doesn't do spoilers. It's literally, like yes. All, all spoiler Paddy should, should have be, said nothing. <laughs> all, spoiler, all spoiler talks should be directed towards me and I will sit on it as best I can. I remember being in a car once with Trish and I accidentally said something about Star Trek Into Darkness and she went to mockingly hit me, but instead she just gave me dagger eyes instead. So yeah, that was a kind yeah. of quiet car ride. Yeah, no. I I have to warn, when we go see the movies together, I have to tell Trish whenever a Star Wars or Marvel related trailer is coming up so she can close her eyes and sometimes cover her ears. Yeah. Um, I have this annoying habit when it comes to. Okay, let me explain the spoiler thing, right? Because I had a discussion with a friend of ours around our cast announcements, spoilers. And in my world, yes, they fucking are. <laughs> Do you know? If you say Catherine Tate is going to be an XYZ relation to Doctor Who, well, Catherine Tate already plays a character in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. Um, or if you say the cast of the original of the next generation are going to be in season three of Picard, well, I fucking know who they're going to be, don't I? Right? So, two things happens with me with spoilers. One is, and this is what happened with Game of Thrones, which is really where this spun up. I. Sometimes I have this annoying tendency to predict what's going to happen based on the spoilers. Hmm. 
which completely removes my enjoyment of the thing whatsoever. <laughs> or two, I hear the spoiler, I get an idea of what's going to be in my head, and I'm always let down. So I prefer just to go into things blind and enjoy mm. them for what they are. Yeah. But yeah, um, we're about to go into our last question. And while I would love to hear everyone's answer to our last question, for those who get it, you know, who can answer it, who uh, know what we're talking about, I will say all of the questions that we've had so far, and there is a few of them, I'm going to say that when we put this episode out on Monday, um, maybe Monday night or Tuesday, I was going to do a follow-up tweet, we'll maybe do it on Facebook as well, hmm. obviously listing out what the questions were. Because I really would love to hear other people's answers. Yeah, like, definitely. If we could only review one more Doctor's one, which one would you want it to be? Or, you know, if you could replace the characters or whatever. Um, so I do want to hear everyone's answers on these questions as well, particularly those of you who asked them. Mm-hmm. Last question from Dan the Man, the other half of the Half Measures podcast. Yes. At the next point of regeneration, either Dan or Paul, co-hosts of the Half Measures podcast, if we haven't mentioned it enough already, mm-hmm. becomes the Doctor. The other becomes the companion. Please provide your rationale as to which one is which. <laughs> and what I will say is Dan... That's a really hard question, you fucker. <laughs> so, I'll I'll take the pressure off you for the moment. Mm. So, I jokingly responded to Trish that it, it could be either Dan would be the, the doctor saving his companion Paul from getting into trouble, mm. or Dan would be the companion saving the doctor, who was Paul, from wandering into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in all seriousness... Paul would probably end up being the doctor and Dan would probably be the companion. Why? Listening to the two of them and having interacted with them like quite a, quite a bit. Because um, like, you know, we've guested with them to, we, we've guested together twice. Well, we guessed on their show, they guessed on our show yeah. and then I guested separately on their show. And it's just like the level of interaction there between the two of them. It's... I could just as easily say like that because Dan is, or sorry, Paul is the bigger Doctor Who fan of the two of them. He's probably the most like that would be the only qualifier. But there's just something about Paul's. Paul's a very quirky person, I think, mm. in the best possible way. And we have great conversations. And I can easily see Paul in like a tweed trench coat, and just like pointing a, a fucking sonic screwdriver at something, and Dan just waiting around the corner to I don't know tell him to run or bash someone's head in or do something or other like that um like it's not like the thing is like it's not a hierarchy or anything like that it's just that's the way I see the two of them so I could have gone either way yeah Uh, like if I was to watch Dan and Paul in Doctor Who I could put it either way I actually went with Dan as the Doctor and Paul as the commander because this is so weird it's so weird saying this about people who are friends by the way Dan which is what makes this conversation so difficult Dan and Paul Dan and Paul right yeah next regeneration 
either Paddy's the doctor or Trish is the doctor and the other's the companion. Provide your um, rationale, please. Would, would you fuck off? We both know the answers that they're going to give to that. Um, no, do I, do I just, but the only problem is now with this is that with your answer and my answer, we're both off one of their Christmas card lists. <laughs> so my rationale here is Paul strikes me as the type of person who would start his companion journey as a bit of an Ian mm-hmm. and end up <laughs> as like a Sarah Jane circa hand of fear. <laughs> I can see him in Andy Pandy overalls. Yeah. <laughs> no, but anyways, like, he, he'd start off um, quite serious because like for anyone who's ever heard Paul, Paul has a very uh, soft voice. A very yeah calming voice like it's either starting off as like the soft calming presence and then over time losing himself in it and just going with the flow and by the end of it he doesn't care he's wearing andy pandy overalls whatever dan on the other hand i can see just being like fuck it we're going on an adventure (laughs) where do you want to go spin the wheel off we pop Paul in his overall swearing like a sailor because apparently we have influenced like, like apparently we swear an awful lot yes, who'd have do. fucking thought it um, <laughs> which, which is why when me and Paddy were first making this podcast hmm. one of the things that we had to agree on very early on was if we were going to swear yeah and you know on certain podcasting sites if you're going to be swearing you, really, you should put an explicit filter on it if you're going to be swearing because it's not necessarily appropriate for your own children to listen to we just put an explicit filter on the show as a whole. <laughs> no, no. To be fair, we did try for like the first two episodes, and then we just went fuck it. It's too much effort. <laughs> to... This is the... meant to be you and me. Yeah, and this is how we talk. There's, like, we just agreed like that. There's one word we won't say, and I'm pretty sure we haven't said it. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think that's why because in some parts of the world it's a perfectly fine word, and other parts works really not. Yeah. Pretty much, um, but yeah. So that that's my rationale. I think Dan would be like, let's go on an adventure, fucking spin the wheel, see where we end up, whatever. Paul would maybe be a bit more reserved at the beginning, and then go through our companion development arc. And um, because Dan is like, he, well, they they both are big um, Martin Freeman fans. And they're also both big Lord of the Rings fans, just like I can see yeah, Dad running through the Shire going, I'm going on an adventure. <laughs> um, Paul Vermeer going, what, where are we going? <laughs> okay, cool. I'll come too. Yeah. So um, we, we covered all our bases there. Yeah. And hopefully either not offended or 100% offended both of them. Like, <laughs> I want no middle ground with this. Um, um this has been really fun. It really um, has. It really has. Because, um, like, I suppose, like, we are kind of limited, like, on a, in essentially on a time restriction thing where we do try to keep stuff, like, to within, like, we try miserably to keep it within two hours. Uh, but, like, we have, I think, was it, 235 is probably our longest one. And that was for a fucking four-parter. <laughs> um, or, no, it was a six-parter, sorry. But yeah, no, it was nice to have like this type of conversation with stuff. Um, I think as well, because you and I do do a lot of chatter before and after. Um, 
where we do discuss some of these types of things and whatever, but mm. you know, no one ever gets to hear that. Um, yeah. And I will say, because um, you didn't ask me the question, uh, what was my least favorite part oh, of yes. the podcasting experience? Yes. So I have two. Okay. One, I have handed off to Paddy because I got sick of doing because I fucking hate listening to the sound of my own voice. <laughs> when you're editing the podcast, that sometimes goes on for over two hours. <laughs> listening to your own voice gets a bit monotonous. So I've handed that off to Paddy for a while. And we may take turns and stuff back and whatever. Hmm. But the second thing is that particularly this year, in comparison to the first year that we were doing this, my work this year was so hectic. We missed so many weeks because I was too tired or I was away or whatever. So I quite like the fact that we sort of made the decision the other day to be like, do it, fuck it, let's not put ourselves under pressure. Like my sister's getting married next week, mm. then it's Christmas. I'm just into a new role, you're in a new role in work. I'm like, do it, let's not put ourselves under pressure. Let's just shoot the shed yeah just shoot the shed and like i said paul gets to hear what we're like talking on a more regular basis mm-hmm. <laughs> um i quite like this i think we should maybe do these a bit more regularly like yeah maybe once every six months yeah no i, I think that's what i think that's a good idea and it's like it's not necessarily <clears throat> like like there won't always be a ranking system because we may not have substantial change yeah just have just regular chats about stuff yeah maybe bring in some like some outside interests into things yeah like andor yes andor was great and on that let's end the podcast yeah i can just see him now i can just see him now um yeah. yeah um but another thing as well and it's like i don't like we 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 talk about the guys quite a bit, um, but another person that is been very loyal to us, one of our loyal listeners, and has just been externally a very good friend and a very good person to me was Shane. Mm. Sorry, is Shane? Jesus Christ! Speaking <laughs> the past tense, speaking. Um, Shane was someone that helped promote the podcast uh, in the early days because. Mm. Um, he he thought I was a nice person, the fool, and he he promoted the podcast. Now Shane had never seen Doctor Who or anything like that, but he has listened to us since day dot because he has invested. He has an interest in the show because through the podcast, mm. and so, and that's kind of what we said is like that, or kind of a hope that even if you couldn't go back and watch the older stuff, at least knowing the stories and the characters in them mm. would you know fill the void or maybe just do something in that regards and like uh, so i think i very appreciate the fact that shane is a very loyal listener and again we t- we thank um norm and john from the mission, Roddenberry log. mission log podcast of the Roddenberry podcast network <laughs> um also guys like um earl earl thank you very much earl um uh, yeah. Who has been has brought up some like some good funny talking points, um, and just like other people uh, we've known through like various different groups and the people that have reached out to us and all the listeners as well. So again, we hope you enjoy your Christmas. 
Christmas trees or Hanukkah, or New Year's, or whatever, or whatever it is. This this time of year, thank you. That whatever festive decorations don't come alive and try and murder you. <laughs> um, and while yes, we won't be speaking to you for a number of weeks, we'll be speaking to each other pretty much once this podcast ends. <laughs> So until the new year. Yep.